In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about a woman who learned a powerful lesson about when and where she wanted to spend her money following a breast cancer diagnosis. But real quick, before we get into the episode, I want to plant a little seed in your ear about an upcoming theme for Wildfire Magazine that I'm working on. I want you to think about submitting your young breast cancer story for the love and intimacy issue. This is the fourth time we are doing this theme, and it is always powerful. We are exploring all the ways that our cancer has affected our relationships with those closest to us. This is a topic that we think about all the time and don't talk about nearly enough. Stories of dating, weddings, divorces, intimacy hurdles, and wins, and more. The submission deadline is February 25th. See more and get tips for writing a winning wildfire essay at wildfirecommunity.org. Okay, on to today's story. Last week, I got my bank's attention in that big brother, pump the brakes on your spending sister kind of way, the way none of us wants. The bank put a freeze on my debit card, which I only discovered while at the register at the plant nursery buying a snake plant for my office. I'm sorry, your card is not working, the cashier said to me in a hushed tone. Really? I blurted full volume. I was surprised and instantly ashamed. I felt a flesh wash over my cheeks. I pulled out another card, made my purchase, and fled to my car as quickly as possible. On my way home, my blood pressure began to settle as I mentally reviewed my bank account and felt sure that I hadn't overdrafted. I dialed my bank. The teller put me through to a stern-sounding woman who worked in the fraud department. She said she had a few suspicious charges she wanted to go over with me, and I needed to confirm if they were in fact mine. Tickets to the Book of Mormon? Yep, that's me. Tickets to the Nutcracker Ballet? Yep, me again. Tickets to Taylor Swift? Yeah, that's me. As she listed them off, I felt shame and my blood pressure began to rise again. What did she think of me? Did these purchases say something about me? Was I irresponsible, frivolous, not cut out to be an adult? But she was all business. Thank you, Ms. Stearns. As she took the freeze off my card and I hung up the phone, I thought about the money those tickets represented. And then I thought about the dates for each of those events on my calendar. Each one represented a date with my daughter, a memory-making, joy-filled experience. And suddenly I actually felt proud of getting my bank's attention. I had done something out of the ordinary for me, and it signified an investment in seizing today with the ones I love. My guest today also has learned this lesson. Her name is Kim Harms. 
Kim is a freelance writer, speaker, and librarian joining me today from Huxley, Iowa. Kim was diagnosed at 40 with stage one hormone positive breast cancer, after which she underwent a bilateral mastectomy and reconstruction surgeries in 2016 and is currently on a 10-year prescription of tamoxifen. She is the author of Life Reconstructed, Navigating the World of Mastectomies and Breast Reconstruction. Hey, welcome to The Burn, Kim. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So you are here to read a piece you wrote for Wildfire Magazine's Money and Cancer issue. This was an issue in which we talked about the places where money and cancer intersect and what that teaches us about living. And your piece is called When the Return on Your Dollar is Intangible. After you read, you and I will chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Kim, I'll let you take it away. All right. When the return on your dollar is intangible. My three boys stood facing the ocean, watching from behind as the endless coming in and going out of the salt water tickled their feet. I knew it was worth it. I'm not a spender. My husband might call me cheap. I prefer the word frugal but I love to travel. When my boys were preschoolers, I decided they needed to see the ocean. We live in the Midwest, so a trip to the coast is no small feat. At the time, I was a stay-at-home mom, freelance writing part-time for pennies, so we were basically a one-income family. I knew we didn't have the excess cash to fly our boys to the ocean, so I created an eBay account and started selling things. First, I listed things I found around the house that I knew we weren't going to use. Then I began scouring garage sales for items I could resell for a higher price. My best thrifting score, a huge bag of Legos that I bought for $8 and sold for over $100 when I discovered it included Harry Potter minifigs. By the time our youngest was in first grade, I'd made enough money on eBay to pay for five plane tickets and a week in a Florida resort. We went on that trip in January of 2015, and it was fabulous. But that is not the ocean trip I'm talking about today. The one I'm referring to occurred in November 2016, 11 months after I was diagnosed with breast cancer. A second trip to the ocean less than two years after the first, and after a year of paying for doctor visits, surgeries, and hospital stays may sound frivolous, but facing my mortality flipped a switch in my brain when it comes to finances. I don't know how long I have here on this earth. My naive pre-cancer mind always pictured sitting on a front porch enjoying the sunsets with my hubby when we were old and gray, but I'm not guaranteed that. I'm not even guaranteed tomorrow. The gravity of that thought made me view money in a different way. I still frequent garage sales, and it's a rare day that I purchase a full-priced item of clothing for myself. But when it comes to experiences with my family, I don't mind pushing the budget to get there. And that's how my boys ended up with their toes in the Atlantic in November of 2016. We surprised them with that trip. We didn't even have a plan. We just knew we had plane tickets and a resort on the beach for the fourth week in November. We spent that week mini-golfing, swimming, mostly in the pool because the ocean is a bit frigid that time of year, eating the freshly made donuts that our resort provided daily, and laughing together. We still talk about our Thanksgiving dinner of pancakes and scrambled eggs in an overcrowded and understaffed Denny's restaurant and how Owen tripped and fell over a rope fence twice while attempting to rescue a stray purple golf ball on a mini golf course that featured alligators. A course that five years and many mini golfing adventures later still ranks as our all-time favorite. The ocean adventure was amazing. 
It was amazing in the way that standing in front of a vast sea is for people who live their lives surrounded by corn and soybean fields. But it was more amazing in the way that adventuring together as a whole family unit is after walking through a period of time when you legitimately did not know if one of you had much time left. Two of my three boys are grown and out of my home now, but we still take trips together. I'm still cheap in many areas of life, but my cheapness has a purpose. I will buy discount groceries and put off buying new shoes in order to plump up the vacation fund to take the family on an adventure. And Corey and I will push the budget if we need to, because though we know saving is wise, we also know that in intangible ways, making memories with our family has greater returns on the dollar. Mm, Making memories with our family has greater returns on the dollar. Yes, to all of that. That was beautiful, Kim. Thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for letting me come on and read it. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll get into it. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone. You will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Tamara Zalayev. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer at age 33 in 2018. I had seen so many posts from Wildfire all over social media, and it was a little bit after my diagnosis that I signed up for my first live pop-up event, and I had such a good time. I made the jump this year, registered for a six-week prompt workshop with April, and I do not regret it. It was the best thing to do for the beginning of the year. I look forward to it every single week. I love that I set that time aside for myself to do a little self-care and write. I blogged all through treatment and the prompts that April gives are so simple, yet stir up some of the deepest memories, not just from cancer, but also just life in general. It's such a safe space to share the good, the bad, the ugly. April, thank you so much. I encourage everyone to sign up for one of these workshops. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Tam. Okay, Kim, welcome back. Thank you again for your powerful storytelling. Oh, thank you for letting me have the opportunity to tell it. I really appreciate it. Yes. And also, um, no one can see you, but I can see you and you're reading from the new Wildfire book, which is really fun. (laughs) It is really fun to hold in your hands. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know that uh, personally, being an author of a book yourself, and we'll get into that too. Um, But first, I want to dig into this essay. 
So let me just say, first of all, thank you so much for digging into the how. I am always telling my students in my workshops that telling the stories of a life lesson or something that you have learned is a really powerful place to write from. But we have to like really get into the the scene building of it and the nitty gritty and the how the lesson was learned. And I think you did such a beautiful job of that in this piece. Thank you. Absolutely. So you are, did you say you're five years from this trip? Five, six years now? Um, yes. This, well, this month, it'll be six years from this trip now. So. Yeah, yeah. six years. Yeah. Yes. We're recording this Thanksgiving week. And um, and you did mention it was a November trip with that yeah. chilly Atlantic yes. Ocean. <laughs> yes. So I'm curious now, you know, five years have passed. Are there other ways you now think about or... Um, spend money in light of coming face to face with your mortality with a breast cancer diagnosis? Yeah, I think, well, like I stated in the the story, I, I really, I used to, I've always loved to travel, but I've, um, I was still kind of guilty for do, spending money on some frivolous, like what some people would call frivolous things uh, like travel. Uh, and I don't feel guilty about that anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, we can't, we don't travel around the world um, but when we have the opportunity to do things, uh, we do them now. Uh, we actually, um, my, our oldest was a 2020 graduate. So he missed out on the, the end of his senior year of high school. And we were planning a, a trip, the fun trip for when he graduated and that got canceled. But we were like, you know what? We are going to do that as soon as we have the opportunity to do, do it. And so we have since done that. We took all the boys to Puerto Rico uh, for a week. And again, just didn't have a huge plan. We went to the beach and we ate a lot of food and um, just had fun together. So just um, my attitude about uh, spending money on things that are not as practical, it's changed that attitude for sure. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I really love about your piece is this um, treasure hunt you went on for the first beach trip where you talked about, you know, selling things on eBay, first looking around your own home for things that you don't no longer needed and then garage selling. And I, I really like that because I think when we need to look for money, there are ways to come up with a little extra cash here and there that we maybe don't think about until it's like, no, this this goal is important to me and mm -hmm. I need to find a way to do it. Do you still have your eBay account, by the way? Um, I do. I don't really sell things on there very much anymore. Um, I did for quite a while, but it's been, been a while since I've used it for selling. Um, I do sell things on the Facebook marketplace now and then. But um, after I reached that goal, I kind of slowed back on that, that, that um, part. But then that's also kind of when I started doing freelance writing. So I found a different way to make a little bit of extra income to use for, for traveling. So yeah. There you go. I love that. Yeah. I remember um, selling a bunch of baby stuff the first year that I took my kid camping and I needed to like buy a tent and buy, you know, all the little accoutrements for camping. And so I remember selling, you know, the car seat at that point and different things that we no longer needed. And it was fun to look around and figure out how to turn some stuff into yes. cash. Yeah. 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 That's fun. So tell me about freelance writing and the intersection with your um, survivorship. Are you writing about cancer these days? And I also want to hear about your book. So two-pronged yeah. question there. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, I, I do write about uh, cancer stuff. 
Not always. Um, in fact, I had an article that came out today in which I interviewed a, an author about um, online dating. So that was kind of fun and interesting um, to do. Uh, and I actually really like writing other people's stories. So I'm looking into more of that. Um, but I have also written about cancer and it's very um, therapeutic to do that, which you know, <laughs> but it can also be very hard. So putting myself in that mode all the time um, is hard for me. And so then I've looked for some different avenues of like this article I just wrote was like, oh, this is just a fun fun thing to write where I don't have to like put my soul out there. <laughs> but yeah, like so that. kind of kind of both. Um, then my book is, yeah, it's my, uh, it's Life Reconstructed and it's really uh, for women going through mastectomy and breast reconstruction. It's my story woven in there. Uh, my um, publisher allowed me to share my story and I kind of shared how faith in my story um, was woven through it. But I also have interviews with a lot of women from a lot of different backgrounds who have made different decisions and and went about things in a different way. So I wanted to be able to include like a lot of different perspectives. And then um, I was also I had the opportunity to interview some medical professionals for it as well. So hopefully reach more people than just, um, I, you know, reach a, a broader range of people when I include more people in the book, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a couple of questions for you. So first, I love this idea of writing other people's stories also. And that's a little bit of a different thing than what we usually do at Wildfire. Most of the people who write here, you know, whether their stories are on the burn or in the magazine or in the book, are just writing their own personal stories. But I think that it's really powerful to give voice to someone else who maybe doesn't have the same you know, vehicle or the same uh, comfort with maybe some vulnerability to have to write it themselves. Is writing other people's stories something you've been doing for a long time? Or how did you come to start doing that or know that you even liked it? Um, well, I, out of college, so I have, I graduated with a degree in English and I minored in journalism. And I was a newspaper reporter until I decided to stay home when, when we started having kids. So, um, so that experience, you're always writing somebody else's story. Some Sometimes you're writing boring stories about what's going on with the city or whatever. But sometimes, um, you know, I had opportunity to do fun feature stories about people who had cool things going on in their lives or hard things going on in their lives. And I just found in doing that, I love, it's like a puzzle. Like you, you hang out with someone, you talk with them for a while, and then you figure out, okay, of all the things they said, what pieces fit where? And I just... That's something about that. I love putting that together. So I've always enjoyed that. Um, but then I went more to just writing um, my stuff for a while. So now I'm, and now I'm kind of moving back a little bit to, to writing other people's stuff as well. So. Mm -hmm. so how was it for you to take that lens, you know, that journalistic lens where you're looking outward and making sure that you're not the story, right? Making sure that they're the story. How was that shift for you to then turning it back on yourself and and writing your own deeply personal story? Um, it was um, hard. Um, it was necessary though. I think um, just like you do at Wildfire, giving women um, who maybe aren't writers by nature to start with the opportunity to like, just get what's inside of them out. I feel like I needed to do that with the cancer. I needed to get the stuff that was inside of me out. And 
no matter how painful that is, as you rethink th- through things. And sometimes I'd be typing and, and remembering and all of a sudden I'm just like a bucket of tears and it was very hard. But then you get to the end and you you read through it and you're like, I, I made it through that. Like I made it through that. And I think writing words out um, helps you to see better that you did. Like, oh, I accomplished, I did that thing. And it was really hard in a way that just thinking through it um, doesn't do. So it's hard. And you know, that's hard to put yourself out there and write like the things that are inside of you that are very vulnerable, but it is also therapeutic. And the cool thing when, when somebody says, I read that and I understand that that is how I feel, but I couldn't, I couldn't put it in those words. That makes it really worthwhile. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And just as you were talking, I have goosebumps because that is the moment that is the like the magic of storytelling, not only to build empathy so that others can understand what it's like to go through, you know, experiences, but also to give voice to those people who maybe didn't even realize they were thinking a thing until someone else said it out loud and read it out loud. And that's so powerful. And I just love this idea of what you described as seeing it kind of in black and white or seeing your words on the page and realizing kind of the gravity of what you've endured and been through. And it's that power to become the narrator or the observer, you know, a journalist of your own experience that is so healing. I really, yeah, you're, you're speaking to the choir here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I know you totally understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But let's talk about freelance a little bit because this is something that I don't um, do personally, but I know that a lot of um, people out there want to make money from their writing and want to know how to do it. Do you have, I'm putting you on the spot, I know, but do you have any um, tips for people to get started Um, with that? Well, I don't make a lot of money at it. I'll put it out there. I make a little money, not a lot of money, Um, but it really takes digging. Like if you uh, figure out what you're interested in writing, just get online and start Googling different websites or online magazines and dig through to their writer's guidelines. Go search writer's guidelines. They are often very hard to find on websites and they're kind of buried sometimes. But if you can find those and then they will tell you what they're looking for. So to get started, you know, you might have this thing that, oh, I really want to write this. But if you can have something to write that fits what somebody wants, um, you're more apt to get their eye on it, right? And have them look at it. And it, I've had, I've had many, many rejections. So I think if you want to get started, you need to just do the research, find some places and keep submitting until someone accepts you. And then once you've been accepted a few times, you'll get accepted more. I still get rejections um, regularly. <laughs> so, you know, it's not really for the faint of heart. But yeah, it's it takes some effort, but there are places out there. And even like look into your local, like some, I don't know how many local newspapers there are anymore and how many do that. But sometimes you can get um, an article or a column in like a small publication like that uh, just to get started. Then they might even say, hey, will you do this once a month? They may not pay you for it. But just to get started and get published, I think the goal is just to get some of your work out there at first and then build on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love what you said too about rejections. I know for myself, I've had, you know, in making goals where I've had to ask people, you know, 
for anything, I have sometimes made a goal at getting like 10 no's because I know that every no brings me closer to that. Yes. So yeah, it's growing that thick skin, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about not only money, but, um, you know, vulnerability and storytelling. Kim, where can people find you online and learn more about you and your book? Uh, well, my website is kimharms.net. Um, and to put a little plug in there on that, we give away mastectomy pillows for free. So women having surgery, there's a um, a form on my website. You just send us um, your request and we'll get pillows sent to you. And they are free of charge within the US. And then I'm also pretty active on Instagram. And that's just, I'm Kim Harms Life Reconstructed on Instagram. Perfect. We will be sure to link to you. And thank you for doing the mastectomy pillows. That's so important. Yeah, my mom and her few of her friends have been making them since I was diagnosed and they get together and have pillow parties. They make pillows. So kind of fun. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. <laughs> Very cool. Yes. Yep. Get one of Kim's mom's um, mastectomy pillows yes. right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you. Today's writer and guest was Kim Harms. Her piece was called When the Return on Your Dollar is Intangible. And you can find this both in the August, September 2022 issue of Wildfire Magazine called Money and Cancer, as well as in our brand new anthology, Igniting the Fire Within. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 40 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. Here is your writing prompt. I want you to set your timer for eight minutes and write without stopping or editing. Honestly, keep your hand moving and your fingers tapping. There's magic to leaning into that time. Your prompt is to tell the story of a lesson learned. Write on your page, I now know, and then trace that lesson backward all the way to how you learned it. Look for the moments when you realized your life was different because of the lesson. Eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. There are more prompts available to you in the free journal companion to this podcast. Head over to wildfirecommunity.org slash the burn to get yours. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.